<clears throat> Growthcraft podcast episode five, recording in three, two, one. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Growthcraft podcast. My name is uh, Tom Libby. I'm one of your hosts, my co host and partner in crime, uh, Hassan Sorrell, is on vacation. But we did not want to stop the wheels in motion, so um, we just decided to continue on with the podcast without him. So I'll give you a little insights to the Growth Cap podcast and what it's designed for uh, in our minds. It is designed uh, with, the st- with the startup founder in mind. Our, our entire uh, objective here is to you know, and we know how difficult starting a company can be. Most of us involved in Growthcraft have been there, done that. Um, but it's tough along the way. And our goal is to help founders, uh, you know, remove some of the obstacles, uh, insert themselves into a full-fledged uh, community that can be helpful to them in multiple multiple layers and levels, uh, with even peer-to-peer groups and advisors that are well versed in the in the in the world of um, very specific things to do with business whether it's sales marketing operations hr and so on and so forth but it's really more about connections and making connections and, and getting people uh, really embedded in the community uh, it's a journey we, we know it's a journey and we're hoping that you know that we can uh, take you along with the, uh, this journey with our guest today um, typically we are interviewing startup founders advisors and others about their journeys their processes their products and when they're going, uh, sorry, not when, and where, where they're going throughout the Growthcraft community. So today, I'd like to uh, welcome my guest, uh, Gerald Shapiro. Gerald, if you uh, could do us a quick favor and just give us a brief intro, you know, who you are and, and your title and the company that you're you're uh, that you're representing today. Yeah, my name is uh, Gerald Shapiro. My doctorate is in bioengineering. I'm the president of Fluel Inc. and uh, in one sentence, our purpose is to restore joy and quality of life to one billion incontinent women by developing a medical device that cures their incontinence, gets them out of diapers, and gets them back into their lives. It sounds like that one line was so well rehearsed, Jerry. I got to tell you, like it seems like you've done this a thousand times. So let me ask you to go a layer deeper, right? So. When when I ask, like, so what do you do? I mean, I understand that you're trying to solve incontinence for women, but what does that look like? How do, how do I interpret that in my brain? Because a lot of us, especially, you know, you're, you have a product specifically for women and I'm obviously not. Um, how do I interpret that in my brain as, as to what exactly you're, you're doing? Well, you know, I, I had a previous company where we treated uh, and kind of women with exercise. And we realized that women that have early dementia can't remember how to exercise. Women that have muscle paralysis can't contract the right muscles. So it had to be something better. And along came my co-founder with an idea for a surgical product to cure incontinence. Wasn't feasible, so we had to reinvent it, patent it, et cetera. And we're on a long process to to bring that to market. So my job is everything, you know, from inventing the product, doing the engineering, hiring engineering people, doing the marketing, figuring out go-to-market strategy, and putting a team together. So we now have a a full C-suite team with all all of us of expertise in medical devices and how to get them to market. Fantastic. I I mean, I I would hope I I wish you the most success. Honestly, I, I this has impacted me in my life with some of my the elder uh, women in my life. So I I definitely understand where you're coming from. So can you talk a little bit about like the way that my second question in my brain is different 
than than what you're seeing because just so everyone knows we sent jerry the questions ahead of time so he's prepared for this but uh, uh and, and question number two was like the reason and catalyst for this you've kind of alluded to a little bit already with the previous company and, and how dementia and muscle paralysis and things like that but can you talk about that the process of like that aha moment that you figured out it can't simply be that like what was the catalyst to make you figure out that you had to do something different or better well it was is partly economics medical economics that uh the the doctors are mostly interested in money and the money with the reimbursement for the exercise product started out as $15,000 an hour of their time, but that dropped down to what they consider not feasible, only uh, $35,000 an hour. And so they stopped using the exercise product because they weren't making enough money. And around that same time, uh, a friend of mine got a call from a inventor in Texas to manufacture a product, but she didn't know there was a thing called the FDA. And so he said, well, you better talk to Jerry. So we had a short call, long call, actually. And eventually, within a couple of months, we decided to work together to develop this new product. And the advantage of it is that it doesn't have any limitations. In other words, a woman who is incontinent can use it, whether she's incontinent from muscle paralysis or any other reason, or if she can't remember how to exercise or if she's too busy. Everybody always thinks of incontinence as an old lady disease but it occurs after the second natural childbirth. So we were treating a bunch of women in South Miami, which was a community of young women that went to high school, didn't go to college, got married, had kids right away. And we were treating 22 year olds. Oh, wow. It's not an old lady disease. It's 25% of younger women, 40% of middle-aged women, and 45% of women over 70. It's a very common disease. Interesting. I have a million questions that aren't even on that list that I sent you. <laughs> Anything you want, I can answer probably. Um, so, but let me let me ask you this one because uh, the next question on our list obviously was why is your solution the best answer? I, I'd really uh, this one. I, I don't even want to change the the question here, Jerry. I really want to know, like, so why are there other solutions out there that people are all, like all right now implementing where you feel like yours is so much better that once you get this going, that it's going to be a no brainer. Like how does that, how do, where do you sit with that? Okay. Well, first of all, incontinence results from childbirth, although it has other reasons. So it's an age old problem. And it was solved 4,000 years ago when the ancient Egyptians cut down the reeds in the Nile river and made papyrus for writing, and then immediately made papyrus incontinence pads. So uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, the Han Dynasty introduced pelvic floor exercise, which we now call Kegel exercises, to solve this. 2,000 years ago, they found a way of pressing on the urethra to block urine flow 2,000 years ago. So most of the solutions on the market were developed you know, eons ago and have been modernized as they go along but they don't meet a woman's needs. So for example, if she's wearing absorbent pads or diapers, she has to change them 10 times a day. Yeah. She leaks at night, so she has to put pads down on the mattress. She has expenses of like $8,000 a year for all these products that she has to buy. And she has all the inconvenience of not only to change the diapers, but women that we treat with the exercise product are just worried about smelling like a nursing home. That's what they say. I smell like a nursing home. I don't want to go out in public. So it's no shopping, no movies, no restaurants, 
know any place where anybody could be near her. So her quality of life is like nil. She has to stay home all the time. So by treating the incontinence with our device, she gets her quality of life back. And not just her, but the family that she goes with, like her husband maybe, if she's in a that kind of relationship, he doesn't get to go to restaurants or cinemas or anything else either. So now we restore the life for both of them. So is it, again, just so I understand a little bit clearer. So the, the, the current, the, the current solutions to, to me all seem like they're burdensome, right? They're all burdensome. They're all yep. uh, time consuming or to your point, odorous or, um, uh, quality of life diminishing. There's several layers of this. And, and right. again, j- just so the audience knows, um, I spent a good chunk of my career in senior he- in the senior healthcare market. So I- I'm super familiar with some of the stuff that Jerry's talking about right now. Um, so, and it's it, it could potentially even be debilitating from a financial perspective once they get to a certain point too. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of that. So, and it's a continuation of effects, right? So like, even if, yeah, right. So it's once it happens, it just continues to get worse and it continues to be debilitating and continues to be more and more embarrassing, more and more heartfelt for, for the families and so on and so forth. Are you suggesting or are you saying that your solution could potentially be a one-time scenario or is there anything like, so once they in, get the device uh, installed or, or I don't want to say installed. That sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like an ad, ad, adaption to your car. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean it that way. Um, implanted. Uh, like, so they get, they, they go through your surgery, surgical process and now they're completely um, resolved of this or are there, are there secondary things that have to happen with that as well? Well, first of all, there's no surgery involved. Oh, sorry, just, sorry. It just slides into the urethra like you would slide in a catheter. Okay. Then in a doctor's office, any place medical. And the women, women's urethra has a layer of biofilm or bacteria, and the bacteria like to explore. So you put anything in the urethra, the bacteria will explore it and try to make another biofilm, which attracts, precipitates from urine, which forms encrustation, sort of like stalagmites growing in a cave. So the only way to prevent the stalagmites is to prevent the biofilm. And the way to prevent that is to kill the bacteria that make the biofilm. So we mix an antimicrobial into the soft silicone rubber of our device and any bacteria that touches our device dies. So my partner is from Texas and as they say down there, dead bacteria make no biofilm. So we have to constantly replace the device every four months to renew the antimicrobial in it. Okay. So it's a disposable device, and it comes equipped with another device to insert it called an introducer. So the surgeon or the doctor doesn't have to have any equipment. They get everything in a sterile package from us. And it could be inserted by a doctor, a nurse, an aide, anybody that's medically trained. But the advantages are more than just for the patient. So imagine a world without diapers. Don't have to have trillions of diapers in landfills. We have an environmental impact. You've been in senior market. You know how these women are lonely with another old lady in a, in a home. Very much. You bring all these women home to their family because they no longer have to deal with the diaper issue. They don't need an aid to change their diapers. They can be home with their kids and their grandchildren. And then by getting them out of the nursing home, we save the government trillions of dollars of nursing home fees that they don't have to pay because the women are not incontinent anymore. 
So it has the classical ESG benefits for society as well as for the woman. And for the doctor, the process of taking something out of the urethra and putting something back in is covered by insurance. So the doctor makes money. They make $500 every time they take an old one out, put a new one in for Medicare, more from private payers. And the insurer saves money because they don't have to pay $25,000 for a surgery to put in a mesh that's dangerous to lift up the urethra. So everybody benefits, the patient, the doctor, the insurance company, the environment, social, and government. And so, so just to and I, just to reset it in my brain, right? So it's not a one-time thing. It's every every few months, four months every four that, months, right? So three three times a year versus daily and multiple times a day of Ten disruption daily, yeah. of disruption to your life on the on the other solutions that are currently in the market. That's now, right. do you know are there competitors that you have in in directly in your market? Are there other devices that that um, that people can use, or are you literally the only one right now because of how new and uh, to me, sounds very unique that this is. We're the only device that blocks the leaks of incontinence. So we actually have a device that senses when she's about to leak. It senses the spike in pressure. A woman sneezes, coughs, or laughs. And that spike in pressure shuts the valve and blocks the leak. So there are a lot of devices that are outside the body, incontinence pads, diapers, there's even adhesive plugs that the woman has to plug her urethra up so that she doesn't leak, and then she has to rip it open when she wants to urinate. And then there are ideas for stimulating muscles. And these go back 300 years to an Italian guy named Galvani, who was hanging up a frog muscle and a newly discovered battery and found that you put battery on the muscle, the muscle twitches. Right. And so they have a lot of these electrical stimulators that are make the muscle twitch, but unfortunately, they don't make the muscle stronger. And so they are very good for helping women identify what muscle to contract, but they're not good for building up the muscle to be stronger. But there's many devices like that on the market for muscle twitching. It's gotcha. called electrical stimulation or e-stim. E-stim, yeah. Or e-suticals now. Yeah. So, Interesting. So I, I think the next question on our list, Jerry, was irrelevant because I think we've covered it, which mm -hmm. is how does a consumer interact with your product or how does it work? I think we've covered all that. Is yeah. there anything that we didn't cover that you think that people might need to know about in that kind of how it works, so to speak, or how I, how the consumer interacts with it? Now, as the consumer, I think for you is a little different, right? Because it's like a, a from you to the doctor to the patient. So there's like a, a dual, there's like a dual consumer thing uh, that goes. So the I would say, I guess my question then would go toward more of the end user, the result of the patient they don't have to interact with this at all, right? Like they, they're, it's out of sight, out of mind, and they, they don't have to worry about it. Is that correct? Yeah, the consumer doesn't have to worry about it, but medical devices, uh, medical products in general have complicated financial paths. Sure. So for example, the patient does not pay the doctor. The doc gets paid by the insurance company. The doctor does not sell the device. They just insert the device. Right. And we use distributors because doctors only believe people they trust and they trust certain distributors, not drug salesmen, but people have had a long-term relationship with. So we basically sell to the distributor. The distributor sells to the insurance company who pays for it to get to the patient. 
<laughs> and in the language of business, the doctor is not the prescriber. They're the, quote, channel partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So without the doctor, it doesn't get through. So marketing has to be directed at the doctor to indicate this is a useful thing for them to do, then also directed at the patient. So the challenges are you're sort of doing direct to consumer and direct to physician marketing. And those are different marketing pathways and different marketing messages. Yeah, for sure. The thing we want women to know is that there are different kinds of incontinence. You know, urgent incontinence, for example, is treated by electrical stimulation and quieting the bladder. But the kind we treat is called stress urinary incontinence, and it's about 75% of all cases of incontinence. So this doesn't work for everyone. There are other reasons the women have paralyzed bladder muscles. They have to catheterize themselves just so they can get the urine out. It doesn't work for them, but that's a very rare kind of incontinence. Yeah. So for most women that have incontinence, this is the product that's going to change their life. Gotcha. Gotcha. So so let, let, let's let's change um, change directions just a little bit uh, for and, and just for a half a second here. Uh, talk a little bit about Growthcraft, uh, considering we're on sure. the Growthcraft podcast. Yep. Um, could you talk a little bit about what attracted you to Growthcraft or what makes it worth it for you to stay involved in Growthcraft? Are there any of things that that um, that you can say that would uh, that would you know shed a light on on some of the nuances of of, uh, of the Growthcraft community? Well, one of the several of the founders of Growthcraft were also involved in another group called Chuck's Roundtable. And so that's where I found out about that's where they met the founders of Growthcraft. And I've been involved just hearing about it ever since it was a concept. And the idea is that you bring together experts in various fields who help each other. So it's not like we're consulting for each other and trying to make a lot of money off each other. We're just helping each other, usually without charging anything. And usually it's more like advice. So it's sort of like nice to know that I don't have to know everything that I can maybe just know women's health, but not uh, Facebook advertising, because there's a person in Growthcraft that knows Facebook advertising. So Growthcraft is like the go-to place for getting help, that whatever you need, somebody in Growthcraft has that expertise and they can help you out. Excellent, excellent. So uh, I guess lastly here, uh, Jerry, We'd like to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you promoting yourself, not so much talking about your product or service and what you're doing, but like, are there scenarios where you're speaking somewhere or do you have, um, you know, like your own podcast, maybe something that something that people can can look forward to seeing you at or your product at, or is there anything that uh, anything like that about uh, or anything like that going on for you uh, in the next uh, few months? Well, I'm 100 percent devoted to getting this product on the market. And right now we're in a clinical study. And so that's where my time goes. But we're doing what's called an early feasibility study, which is not a classical pilot pivotal study. And so we put the device in the patient and we observe. Is the patient comfortable? Is there something they notice? Is there something we have to change? And then we can change the design of the device, 3D print it, sterilize it, chip it to the clinic, and then repeat the cycle. So the result is that while it's being 3D printed and chipped, et cetera, I have time. And so I'm reaching out to help other founders. And right now I'm mentoring seven medical device companies in women's health, 10 founders and co-founders. So I'm multiplying my knowledge and experience by helping other companies develop products for women. And they range, you know, they're including things that are in 
not just incontinence, but things in uh, uh, menopause, for example, things in just getting information, things in connecting breast cancer patients that have pain to people that treat pain, uh, all kinds of things throughout women's health. So it enables me to multiply my expertise and use it, but it doesn't take a lot of my time. So that's how I give back. That's fantastic, actually, and impressive that you have the time to do that. I'm I'm very happy to hear. I, I always found it um, uh, uh, exciting and invigorating. It, it kind of reinvigorates me every time I I connect myself with a startup and help them through problems and you know any kind of uh, advisory role that I can take in those in those startups. It seems like it's very invigorating to me. It like reestablishes my uh, you know my uh, thought process about you know, why to get involved in startups in the first place. So that is very cool. I'm very happy to hear that, Jerry. So um, so I wanted to thank you uh, for being on the podcast real quick before we go. Um, just, you know, to reiterate, uh, we are here on, on the GrowthCraft podcast. We are a full community of, of uh, startup founders, advisors, and some other uh, tools and, and, you know, things that we have uh, through GrowthCraft community. You're welcome to check us out. Um, we have workshops and forums and all kinds of stuff that makes it very uh you know as jerry mentioned uh, a lot of it is free so you can come on and and, uh, and learn a little bit and uh, plug into some some great minds like jerry's and and some of our other founders that will are usually happy to give advice uh i, I find our founder forum one of the more um pleasurable things to sit through because you hear a lot of founders talking about issues and concerns problems that they've solved and it all gets solved right right at the on the spot so uh, come and join us. But uh, for now, I'd, I'd like to say so long. And and uh, one more time, Jerry, thank you very much for being on our podcast. I greatly Thanks, appreciate Tom. it. And I feel like I learned a, a tremendous amount, even though, uh, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I did come a little bit. I spent a lot of time in that senior healthcare market. So I'm very familiar with at least the elder part of it. Um, and uh, but still learned a lot from you today. So appreciate yeah, Tom, it very Tom, much. When you're in the clinic and you talk to the patients, you develop an empathy for them. And all you want to do is help them. Yeah. And For you've sure. seen it. I've seen it. You know, I've been in senior communities also helping the and treating these women and they really need it. And they kind of like give up hope after a while. You know, am I going to be changing paths the rest of my life? And yeah. suddenly there's hope. So I've even seen it go the other way and cause real medical problems with dehydration because they want to stop drinking because they don't want to continue to change the diapers. And then they, when they stopped it, we can probably get into another whole conversation about that, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's something that's been long, long been deserved uh, for, for a solution that makes uh, more sense for, for our, for our women to, to deal with this problem. So uh, again, Jerry, uh, I learned a tremendous amount. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, thank you, everybody. And we'll, we'll check you check you next week. Take care. Bye now.